In Acts chapter 6, verse 5, we read, They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. A man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. I wonder what's the greatest challenge you've ever had to face in your life or in mine. Was it perhaps leading some enormous project and you were fearful it would turn out all right? Was it perhaps having to move to the other side of the world? Was it perhaps bringing up children, dare I say? All sorts of challenges we've been faced with. But the Bible, of course, is littered with stories of people who've been asked to do something. Asked either by God or by somebody else to do something. They thought, good gracious me, I can't possibly. Think of our friend Moses. Do you remember Moses? Here he was... um, perhaps at that time a rather insignificant sort of person, asked to lead the Israelites to the promised land. Asked because there he was by this burning bush and he saw the angel. And the angel said, come on, I've come from God. I want you to lead this lot to the promised land. This lot was only 603,550 people, a bit bigger than Lindfield. I mean, what a challenge. And as we know, Moses said, oh, go away, Lord. No, 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 don't ask me. I mean, I can't possibly, I don't know the way. I can't speak in public. I'm just hopeless. Send somebody else. No, no, I want you to go. I'm going to equip you. Well, as we know, Moses did lead the Israelites, maybe not terribly successfully. God became pretty angry later on, but that, as we know, is another story. Or what about Paul, Saul as he was first known of course, and his conversion by Ananias. You remember how here was Saul, he was on his way to Damascus to try and beat these wretched Christians, these dreadful people. And as he approached Mount Hermon just above Damascus, there someone spoke to him. Why do you persecute me? Eh, 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 who's that? Yes, it's me, the one that you're persecuting. I want you to go down, go to the house of Judas in Straight Street and get fresh instructions. And we know that there was Paul going on his way to Straight Street. Meanwhile, this chap Ananias, perhaps at the risk of making it sound trivial, he was sitting, I think, sitting at home on a Saturday afternoon watching the football and the phone rings. I've got a job for you to do. I want you to go down to Straight Street, house of Judas, restore the sight of the man Tarsus, don't be daft, Lord. He's come to beat us up. I can't possibly go down. I want you to go. I've selected you to go and do my work in this respect. Think what would have happened if Ananias hadn't listened, hadn't obeyed, and he said, no, no, come on, Lord, get lost. I'm not going to do that. Think of the difference if Paul had not been converted think of Paul himself. Here was Paul in prison in the later years of his life. He knew the end must be pretty near, and this chap Epaphras came down from Colossae. Colossae some 100 miles east of Ephesus, and things were going wrong. The Colossian heresy, as it's called, and we don't know to this day quite what that means, but clearly things were going wrong. It was full of astrology. People had lost their faith. And Epaphras comes all the way down to Paul in prison, Come on, Paul, you're good at writing letters, you're good with words. Send the letter back to the friends in Colossae and set them straight. Tell them what it's about. I'm calling you, asking you to do that. 
And, of course, Paul's letter to the Colossians. One could go on and on with stories of people being called, sometimes to do quite amazing things, sometimes to do things which they just feel totally ill-equipped to do. And, of course, the calling of Stephen. Well, Stephen, we don't know very much about him, really, but um, he had a job to do. He was being asked by the disciples who thought, now, look, we've got a problem here. We've got these, um, these Jewish women on a Friday morning who want food and money. We, ha- we just haven't got the time to distribute them, so we'd better select some people to do it. And they selected Stephen. And you remember that um, Betty, uh, we've reminded uh, by Jesse that um, they chose a man with faith and full of the Holy Spirit. No idea what other qualifications he had, but he certainly was full of the Spirit. And I think he was the first Meals on Wheels guy, wasn't he? The first one to go around on a Friday morning and take food to these Jewish, um, these Jewish women. But of course, the greatest calling of all was the calling, I think, of the first disciples. Remember how Simon, Peter, and Andrew, James, and John, they were out fishing one night, came back in the morning, and there was Jesus talking to the people by the the lakeside, and uh, Jesus said, come on, let me come out in your boat, and carried on preaching. And then Jesus said, come on, let's go out and catch some fish. And they hadn't caught anything all night. And you remember how they probably said, what does a carpenter know about fishing? Oh, why should we take any notice of him? But they did, of course, and we we know the result. And if we just think for a minute, I wonder what qualities, what gifts, what talents did these people bring? It certainly hadn't been three years in theological college, that's for sure. What qualities did they actually bring? What qualities was Jesus looking for in the people that he was asking to do a job? I don't know how many fishermen are there here. How many people have been fishing at all in their lives? Oh, somebody must have. Yes, Ray has. Yes, one or, one or two people have been fishing. I certainly haven't. But fishermen, I think you would agree, first of all, have to be very patient, don't you? Whether you're sea fishing or whether you're uh, river fishing, sitting on the bank for hour after hour after hour. Is that right or am I exaggerating? No, it's a pretty thankless task in that respect. You really have to be patient, which I'm not, as Mies will tell you. The second thing perhaps Jesus thought was in these fishermen, they were very resolute. They were very courageous. I think I'm right in saying just a few years ago, in that particular year, 37 fishing boats were lost around the Isles of Great Britain. 37. These people, these fishermen, they were really courageous people. They could stand up to problems. And you think of Paul and others, my goodness, they really had to stand up, up to problems for following him. Also, I understand, again, the fishermen here will tell me if I'm right or wrong, that depending on the sort of fish you're trying to catch, you use different techniques, maybe different baits, different nets, is that right? Well, Jesus knew there were different ways people can be brought into his kingdom. So he saw this quality also in fishermen. If you look again at... um, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12, the one that uh, Roy read a few verses from, I think it's very interesting, isn't it? Because here, first of all, Paul sets out the 
gifts given to each of us by the Holy Spirit. And he lists all sorts of gifts from proclaiming. I don't think that just means standing, standing here. I think this means any of us going out and proclaiming the word in not only what we say, but what we do. Paul talks about the faith, how we can encourage others, perhaps if they're flagging a bit for one reason or another, going through a difficult time. The gift of being able to encourage others in their faith. Or perhaps just sheer common sense. An admin ability, which our friend Stephen probably had. The ability to heal, again, not just physically, perhaps, but mentally. The ability to be an ear that someone can speak to. I'm sure one of the biggest problems in our society today is that there are so many lonely people. They'd love an ear to listen. All that is part of gifts, and we could go on, couldn't we? In 2013, what about gifts of IT? Richard in the gallery, for example. What about music and uh, Rosemary and Dave and the, the team here? All sorts of gifts. The gifts of plumbing. You could go on and on, couldn't you? All unneeded in our church today. And friends, we all bring gifts. We are all needed. It's interesting if you again you look at Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Interesting how, yes, it describes the gifts given to us by the Holy Spirit. And it then goes on, doesn't it, to we're all parts of the body. We're all necessary. We're all fingers, legs, toes, arms, or whatever it might be. And we've all got to work together. And then it goes on about the different jobs. But then comes chapter 13. And chapter 13, of course, is about love. And it seems to me that Paul is saying, yes, you know, we've all got gifts. Yes, you're all necessary. You're all wanted. You're all part. The church isn't complete without every single one. But unless you work in love, work in parts of a body, it ain't nothing. Nothing will come about at all unless we work together and encourage each other and support each other. Even if it doesn't work sometimes. Even if things go wrong. You think this morning's sermon's pretty lousy. Don't moan at me too much. We don't always get it right all the time. And that's important. If perhaps sometimes we try and help, we put our talents forward, we offer, and things get, oh dear, things have gone wrong. Let me conclude by telling you about the Reverend Ron Stokes. Some of you may know or knew Ron. Ron was a URC minister for many, many years and uh, went around the country in various pastorates until he retired to Eastbourne some, I guess now, 10 years or so ago. And Ron was a powerful man, powerful preacher. He was a powerful man in admin, in committee work and so on, not afraid to express his points of view. He was a really great Christian. But Ron, in his latter years, particularly in the last year of his life, he health-wise became very frail indeed. Even in the last few weeks of his life, he just he couldn't, couldn't get out of the bungalow, never mind go to church or preach. And he thought, what can I do? What gifts have I got I can now use in this decrepit state that I, I'm in? Every Monday morning, Ron had a list of names. And he would ring people on this list to support them, to encourage them. How are things going? How did it go yesterday? Etc. I've never forgotten that. Um, dear Ron, Abe, so Abe supported by his wife, Monica, this was a marvellous ministry. And here he was lying 
either in bed or on a chair, just with a telephone, just with a list of names, just occasionally on a Monday morning, you get this really encouraging phone call. Friends, we can all do something. We are all needed. We've all got a gift, however young or old or decrepit we might feel. All these gifts are needed in his church. Amen.